Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're able to meet together in this space uh, this morning in yeah, whatever condition of life we might have. Uh, we pray that we open up the Bible, we would get to meet your son, Jesus, and that we would experience his love, his mercy, and his grace in our hearts and minds. Lord, give us ears to listen to your word, and we pray that our hearts will be challenged, will be changed, and also will be comforted by your word. For the sake of your son, we pray. Amen. Hopefully it's not working yet. Now, I'm not sure you ever play the game, uh, this game, Odd One Out. Yes, it's pretty uh, straightforward uh, game. Maybe you've seen it this before, or you play uh, when you were a kid, or when you play with your kids too. Uh, it's like when you're given three things, uh, and you have to pick out which one doesn't belong to that uh, group. Um, and similar to this game, you know, have you ever felt like the odd one out in real life? Uh, maybe the way you dress is a bit different. <laughs> maybe uh, some, the way you talk is a bit different. Or the way you eat, uh, the type of food that you eat uh, is a, a little bit different. Uh, some of us probably enjoying uh, more interesting food, <laughs> where others maybe more like, yeah, okay, so-so food. Um, and because of that, sometimes you feel like a stranger. A stranger in that particular group of people as you mingle with your friends and family. Uh, well, that was really totally me. Um, about 20 years ago, I, I was from Indonesia. So I, when I came to Australia, I was a complete stranger. I was an outsider. Imagine to feel that, you know, living in Australia, a different country, a different clothing, uh, a whole new language. It's not Indonesian. It's not. English is Australian. <laughs> um, and some peculiar foods like Vegemites, perhaps, or Lamington. Um, and for me, back then, 20 years ago, the tension was really either to conform, to be, more in, to be more like Australian, or really to clump together with my Indonesian friends. So that was the tension. And that was also the experience of Christians in 1 Peter. Um, you probably have learned that from chapter 1, this letter, uh, was written by a, a guy named Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples. He's writing to a bunch of Christians uh, scattered everywhere. They are exiles, as we're told in uh, chapter 1. Um, hopefully this one. Um, they are dislocated, removed from their homeland. They are strangers, uh, living in places where very different to where, where they used to be. Uh, we're talking different cultures here, different food, again, different type of clothing. And so in that context, Peter is using their physical experience as strangers to really to point them to a greater experience as strangers in the world while they wait for the return of the Lord. Um, now, over the past couple of months, uh, hopefully you have learned that Christians are uh, elect exiles. We are a chosen people uh, as we're waiting and looking forward for our future hope. Uh, we long for growth. We long to love one another we long to proclaim to Jesus, proclaim about Jesus. Uh, in a nutshell, Christians, we are not who we used to be. Right? We are now living as strangers in, in this world. Uh, and Peter is reminding Christians of that new identity. Now, he started in chapter uh, 2, verse 11, um, calling them as exiles or, or strangers or, or foreigners or some, I think some words using sojourners, uh, sojourning. 
and aliens, not that aliens like out of space, but it's like basically stranger. So basically, he's saying to Christians uh, and also to us this morning that you know we're just passing through in this life. Uh, we don't we don't belong here. We belong somewhere else, uh, and and this is not our permanent place. And think of it this way: uh, we're basically like maybe tourists um, on this earth. Uh, we're just on temporary visa. Um, imagine if you ever go to another country, maybe pre-COVID. Yeah, I think start uh, getting people to get uh, from this country, just ho- enjoying holidays. Um, you can only stay maybe one or two months, maybe. Uh, but when the visa expired, well, you gotta pack your bags and you gotta uh, come back to your own country. So in a similar way, our stay in this world also have an expired date. Uh, you know, some people might have a very short period of time. Stillborn babies, maybe they have only two months uh, on temporary visa, while others might have 96 years, like our Queen Elizabeth II, for example. And recently, my, my friend, my dear friend, uh, 40 years, he just passed away, just like that. The truth is, it's all temporary. If you're Christians, if you have put your trust in Jesus, there is a good news. And the good news is that we are all heading to our forever home, our permanent place with the Lord, where salvation is waiting for us, that has been reserved and has been kept for us in heaven. Sure, you know, as Christians, we get it in our heads, right? Okay, I, I know what you're talking about, that we're not exactly at home in this world. we like strangers here, like tourists. But deep down, there's still a tension, isn't it? There's still a tension. We're still living our everyday lives on this earth. And it's sometimes encouraging, right? Sometimes encouraging, but let's be honest, it's often pretty challenging living in this world. Uh, it's pretty challenging and tough. It's not easy to live in the world that is not a big fan of Jesus. And there are moments when we can't help but ask God, when are you coming back? Jesus, when you're coming back, can, can you just make everything right and, and, and okay right now? Can we be just with Jesus right this moment when you're struggling with your life? Perhaps like, you know, this... Uh, the donkey and cocomelon. I'm not sure if you know cocomelon, but my kids love cocomelon. Um, you know, every time we go on the road trip, where we long, I think we travel to Sydney on the road trip. Um, it was uh, fully not so wise decisions like in one go, uh, but we tried to do uh, overnight uh, lately. And they keep asking during this endless road trip, right? Saying, you know, are, are we there yet, mommy? Are we there yet? And we, of course, will say, well, the answer is no, not quite yet. They're still stuck in the car and maybe feeling uncomfortable because you have to restrain in the seat belt, uh, feeling bored, perhaps with nothing to do. Um, all we can do is perhaps you know, playing on more kids' songs and give more snacks and perhaps come up with uh, more games to play. And in those moments, all we can really say that, you know, hanging there, boys, uh, guys, you know, the best holiday destination is yet to come. Well, that's pretty much what is Peter saying to these Christians. He's like, you know, hey, you know what? We're not there yet. We're still stuck in this world. You know, it might feel a bit uncomfortable right now. It's hard. It's tough. 
But remember, it's the best is yet to come. And Jesus will return and put everything right again. And so while they're waiting for the Lord Jesus to return, Peter, Peter is encouraging these Christians to live in such a way that their, their manner, their actions, their behaviors match with their message. You know, he's not telling them to conform to the society where they live in. Or he's not also suggesting them to really to clump together, maybe in a cave or, or in a mountain, living just with a bunch of Christians. We still do life together with our friends, non-Christian friends. Peter wants them to remain in that society, even though it's really slanderous. It's a slanderous society to do life together, even when things get really tough. And it was tough, as, as you can see in verse uh, 12, all right? What they were up against, Christians were falsely accused for doing bad things. And a bit of context back then, at, at this time in that society, Christians were being mocked a lot because of their beliefs. For example, people accuse Christians as cannibals because they eat the body of Christ. They, they drink the blood of Jesus as we do communion every, I don't know what you guys are doing, every month here. Um, they were also seen as troublemakers, uh, trying to topple down the government by having another king. We learn, learn King Jesus instead of King Caesar, the emperor of Rome. And so with all that as a background, it was a very, very hard, very, very hard to live as a Christian. And Peter gets that. That's why he is, he's encouraging them not to run away from it, but to live a good life in that society. And there is a purpose for that. Have a look again in, in verse 12 there, up on the screen. I'll read it for you again. Live such good lives. This is NIV translation, by the way. Uh, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, the day he visits us, most likely talking about uh, Jesus uh, coming back again for the second time, um, the day of judgment. And Peter is, is hopeful here about perhaps the possibility of, of these people, the skeptics or, or slanders, uh, to come to know Lord Jesus and be saved because they have seen the way Christians uh, live their lives. Now, but Peter is not saying that simply just by observing the way Christians live their lives, uh, people can be saved. Uh, perhaps, I'm not sure if you heard uh, this quote before. Uh, it's often uh, attributed uh, to uh, St. Francis of Assisi in 13th of centuries. So here's the, here's the quote. It says, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. But can you really do that? Can you really preach the gospel without words? Because the quote is assuming that you can preach the gospel without any words. Preach the gospel only if necessary, use words. And, and that doesn't make sense, does it? Of course, you can only preach, you can only share the good news, you can only proclaim the gospel when you proclaim the gospel, when you proclaim the words. And, and Peter is not denying that as well. Back in chapter 1, he was really clear that people have been born again. 
They are being saved through the preaching of the word. So I think it's, it's not enough just to live Christianly, just to be a good neighbor or a good citizen of Australia and expect people to become Christians. Of course, yes, living a good life can be a good starting point, uh, an entry point for unbelievers to come to know Jesus. But they can only know Jesus fully through the hearing of the word. That's why every week, Josh and the leaders here preaching the word of God so people might hear the word, be encouraged, and be growing. Uh, I'm not sure if you, anyone's gardener here love gardening. Yes, one here. <laughs> um, my wife is a, is a great gardener. Um, let's just imagine this, right? In front of you, a pot of soil, and you start, just every day, you start adding water, and mixing it, and mixing it, and you put the next morning, uh, you put water, you go to sleep, and the next morning again, you just put, put, put more water in that uh, pot of soil. But you, if you never ever plant any uh, seed, it's not going to produce anything, right? It's not. <laughs> you will end up with a big pile of mud. Um, well, in a similar way, as we meet people outside this church, people who have not yet uh, believed, uh, at your work perhaps, uh, maybe in your neighborhood, um, no matter how presentable uh, your life is, how good is your behavior, maybe you, sometimes you help them to, uh, to take the rubbish bin out uh, and then say hi, um, being nice to them, just not being a jerk. Uh, but if we never share, if we never preach the word, if we never proclaim the word, they will never grow into a beautiful tree. Still, I'm not saying that we shouldn't watch our lives, right? Um, because there's a sense that our manner, our behaviors, uh, the way we live our lives needs to match with the message that we share. And when we do that, as a result, we will stand out. We'll stand out from the crowd, from the society. Uh, and, and Peter will give us some examples what it looks like to stand out, what, what it looks like to live a good life in the society as we, as we relate to each other, as we relate to our neighbors, as we relate to our workmates, perhaps, as we do relationship with our family. And, and Peter will spend basically the rest of chapter 2 uh, and also maybe a bit of a, in, in chapter 3 about that. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be only covering uh, some examples in chapter, chapter 2. Okay, firstly, Christians are to stand out by the way we struggle with our sins. Have a look in verse uh, 11 there. Um, we are told that Christians are to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. I think Peter is being realistic here, right? He knows that all of us are still stuck in this flesh, uh, in this sinful flesh. And there's always constant tension is it, between abstaining from our flesh and obeying the Lord. There's always that t tension. And I think that's why Peter is using uh, the language war day. I think you guys sung uh, about the battle before. It's lovely, isn't it? We're all in the battle. Uh, even the battle being won, we still live in this world. Um, so there's still war going on in our lives. Uh, our fleshly, sinful desires have capacities uh, to wage war, really to bring us down, our souls, our emotions, down to the pit, down to the valley of guilt and shame. It's, it is a battle for every Christian. 
every single day. It doesn't matter whether you have just become a Christian one week, two weeks, one year, 10 years, 20 years. I've been Christians for perhaps almost 30 years now. We're still in the battle. Every single day we wake up in the morning, we are at war with ourselves, with our fleshly, sinful desires. You know, that's just the reality of being a Christian. (laughs) Yes, Christians, because of Jesus, we are who we are. We belong to Jesus now. We have been saved because of him. But we are also who we are yet to be. We're not there yet. We're still in this flesh. We're still struggling with our sins. And it is hard, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes we get it. you know, but other times uh, we fail it into the same sinful behaviors um, over and over again. And we're asking ourselves, to ourselves, why? Why I kept falling into the same sinful behaviors? We end up feeling shameful about that, feeling guilty about it. And so we condemn ourselves for doing such thing. But we know this morning Condemnation is not going to change you. It's not going to change me. All right? In many ways, condemnation is going to bring me down deeper and deeper and deeper in the valley of shame and guilt. Well, this morning, I want to suggest there's another way to approach this as, as we fail into perhaps sinful behavior, same pattern, over and over again. There's another way to do it. Be curious. I want to suggest something. Be curious. Be gracious toward yourselves. Now, I'm not saying that we should justify any sinful behaviors that we do, but we can learn to be, to be gracious, to be, to be curious. We can dig deeper, really see what's inside our hearts. And I know this is not an easy job. I can just say, okay, be curious, be gracious toward yourselves. It is a slow process. It is a journey. Um, let me share you a bit of my story. Um, I've been dealing with anger issue for many, many years. After I became Christians, I still feel, oh, maybe after I become Christians, I can deal with this particular sin. I just get upset easily. You know, road rage. Oh, my kids like not listening to me. Um, and I struggle a lot for, for many, many years. I pray harder. You know, I, I read Bible more. I went to Bible college. I, I, I served the Lord. I know I shouldn't be upset. You know, when, when things happen, I know I shouldn't be upset. I shouldn't have shouted to my family, to my wife. I, I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help it, you know. And, and 20 years or more, I never change. I never change. If you know my family, you can ask them. My parents know. My brothers, sisters know like I say, I pray harder, I, I read scripture, I confess my sins. I just couldn't myself, couldn't help myself. I just, and I just kept pushing it down, right? This anger emotion, that perhaps unhelpful anger emotion. And the more I push it down, the more I condemn that emotion, the more it will come back to the service again and again and again. But thankfully, later down the track, um, in, in my Christian life, I've been able to see a health professional, a psychologist, uh, really to unpack uh, these anger emotions, really to be curious, um, to, to get to know myself deeper. 
and to cut the story short, I can, I can chat with you later more. Uh, I, I find out that when I'm angry, you know, I just don't feel power. You know, I feel powerless. And that's really the reason why I needed to perhaps raise my voice um, so I can, be, I can feel more powerful. Uh, it, it makes sense now. It makes sense as I'm looking back and growing up um, in my childhood. It makes sense. I was the only Chinese uh, in, in, in my school, and I was, I was bullied a lot as Chinese. So I was not in a position of power. And so part of me has been craving for this power, has been craving for control. And so, and so when I don't get that from my wife or maybe from my kids, uh, from the bad drivers on the road, I, I just really get upset, all right? And I can't really control, when I can't really control my circumstances, for example, the only things need to be done is to be, to be angry, uh, to be upset, to, to shout that I can feel more powerful. Now, of course, knowing all that didn't change me overnight. Uh, it's not like, oh, I know all this. Now I have changed. I didn't get up in the morning and become less cranky. Uh, I'm still struggling with it. And I still need God's help in this journey. But you know what? Now I can be more gracious toward myself. I can understand why, why did I get upset. I can understand. I understand why I did what I did. Without having to condemn myself. Without having to shame myself. And I can really explore the emotions. I can, I can be curious. I can be gracious. And the point is that we all need to be real. Be authentic and be honest with yourselves about your ongoing struggles with sins. And abstaining from our sinful desires, it's not just another checklist thing to do. Okay, yep, I didn't do that. Yes, I did that. No, I didn't do that. It's really a process of, of understanding ourselves as human beings and really asking a deeper questions why we do what we do. And it is a long journey of lasting transformation in our Christian walk. And really, hopefully, through that journey, through as we explore our own sins, as we explore uh, with our ongoing struggles with life, perhaps unbelievers will see that sometimes Christians, we get it together, right? Sometimes we get it together, but other times, we just don't get it together. And that's okay. That's okay. That's, that's why we all need Jesus. Because we can, if, if we get it together, why would Jesus have to come to save us? Okay, the next one. Um, Peter is giving us another very practical example how to stand out in the uh, slanderous society as we uh, perhaps relate to the authorities. Uh, he encourages us to submit to every human authority for the Lord's sake, as we told in uh, verses 13 and 14. Now, every human institutions are placed by God to exercise justice, uh, to bring a public order, and that is a good thing, isn't it? Um, and we should submit to them. And you know, in Peter's times, Christians uh, got in trouble for perhaps not respecting the authority, not respecting the emperor, uh, because they follow the king, Jesus. But Peter's advice is clear here, be a good citizen. Be a good citizen, people who, so that people who accuse Christians will be silenced, as we can see in verse uh, 15. 
that is, that cannot find a good reason to accuse Christians anymore. You know, of course, in one sense, Christians, we all free people, right? As mentioned in verse 16, since we belong to God, whatever we do or do not do in this uh, country, in this society, will not change the salvation that we have. But we should not use our freedom to do evil in the society. Because ultimately, all of us, we are servants of God, as we told there. We are servants of God. We live under God. God is our ultimate king. God is the, our, our ultimate government, our ultimate prime minister. God is the ultimate authority, and we should submit to authorities for his sake. Now, this morning you probably asked, you know, what happened if you perhaps living during the Hitler time? Um, you know, do Christians even have to submit uh, to government? Uh, well, the quick answer is yes, um, because even in the corrupt government, um, they aim to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good, uh, like it says in verse 14 there. Uh, Peter is arguing here, even pagan authorities, uh, authorities who, who don't believe in Jesus who don't believe in God at all, maintain some sort of law and order. Things like perhaps punishment for robbery uh, or murder and the like, they still get punished. And so we should submit to them as long as uh, they align with God sees as wrong. But perhaps if someone like Hitler asks you uh, to reveal uh, you know, where your Jewish friends are hiding so he can kill them, you know, in situations like that, you should definitely say no. And then again, there's another like gray area. We know during COVID time uh, about vaccination. Should you get vaccinated? Should should you not? And that that's a bit gray area, like where you, you should listen to your conscience. Some people might think no, you shouldn't submit to government. When another group say no, you should submit to government. Uh, but there's probably another uh, things to explore um, in the future. But I think at the very basic, Peter's argument uh, is concluded in verse uh, 17 there, he says this, uh, show pro proper respects to everyone, uh, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. That, that's basically the whole conclusions of, of Peter uh, in that uh, section, particular section. And, and Peter continues to give us another example uh, how to stand out in, in the society, especially as, as we relate to another authority. Uh, have a look in there in verse uh, 18. Uh, Peter is calling a particular group of people as slaves uh, or servants. Um, and just to note that slavery in the Roman Empire was very different to our modern-day uh, slavery. And I won't go into details this time. Uh, perhaps the similar relationship uh, that we can think of in our modern day uh, is probably the relationship between uh, employers and employees. And we all can learn the principle of what Peter is saying here in verse 18. So let me uh, read it for, for us here. Uh, slaves or, or servants or workers or employees, um, in, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves uh, to your masters or to your bosses or to your managers or to your uh, team leaders, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Look, in short, Peter is really saying as workers, if you're workers this morning, as employees, we don't respond differently or we don't work this differently on the basis 
on our employees' character. You know, just because our employees are nice to us, then we work harder. Okay, I want to work harder so I can get promotions. Or because he, my manager is such a nice guy, you know, that, that's why I need to perform well. Um, but when they're harsh to us, we don't work hard anymore. No, he's saying we need to respond the same. We need to obey our boss even when they treat us unjustly. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do everything that what your boss said to you. Uh, for instance, if your boss starts telling you uh, what cereal to eat, perhaps in the morning, well, you can ignore that. You don't have to submit uh, to your boss. Even if you work at a cereal company, you're not required to eat uh, that specific brand. Uh, but what if your boss asks you to lie so that the company would gain more money? Um, should you still obey them? Right? Well, we're told in verse 18, we obey our boss, our manager, in reverent fear of God. I think it's the same principle as we talked earlier. As Christians, uh, first and foremost, we must put God above everything. God is the ultimate boss, if you like, the ultimate authority. So if your employer tells you to do something, something that is evil and go against your Christian faith, then, well, yes, you must not obey them. But if it's not, then we should be consistent and obey them, even when they treat you unfairly. Sure, you, I mean, you still get welcome to, to speak up, to, to raise your voice to workers' union. Um, you can get them involved uh, when you're being treated unfairly. Uh, you can speak up to, to your HR department uh, to raise the concern. There is always a place for that. But in the meantime, you can't simply say no to everything that your boss tells you to do. Right. And I know it's going to be hard. You know, I, I don't deny that. You know, it's going to be tough when you have to suffer unfairly, unjustly uh, at your work maybe from your boss, and, and maybe from, from anyone in your lives. You just feel like, it's just unfair why I have to face this. And Peter then gives a reason uh, to his appeal um, in, in verse 19 to 20. So let me read it for you, starting from verse 19. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, that is a commendable before God. Now, he's basically saying if you endure suffering because of yourself, um, because you're of your ongoing sins, well, that's normal. Right? But when you do good but still facing unjust suffering, it is a commendable thing before God. God's favor is upon you. God's grace is upon you. And Peter really gives us an example of that, you know, in, in verses uh, 21 to 23. Um, let me read it for you. Um, starting from verse uh, 21. This is, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. Peter is basically saying, if you have been called to be a Christian this morning, then you are called to experience unjust suffering. Your ultimate calling is not to be a doctor, not to be a, a student, a lawyer, a dentist, a gospel worker, a teacher, a full-time mom. No, you're a Christian who happens to be a doctor. You're a Christian who happens to be a lawyer, who happens to be a full-time mom, who happens to be a, a gospel worker, who happens to be a dentist. Not the other way around. If you are a Christian, 
that's your first identity. And it is expected for us to suffer because of our faith. We will suffer. But our God doesn't leave us alone. He sent Jesus as example for us to follow on how to respond in just suffering. Verses uh, 22-23, we find uh, Jesus' responses uh, to unjust suffering. Uh, it says this, Jesus, he committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled their insults at him. He did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What we learn from Jesus here, that when it comes to unjust suffering, is that we, he didn't retaliate. He didn't seek for revenge. Instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Jesus knows God is in control. He will be the one who judges all the people. And this morning, God wants us to trust him as well as the ultimate judge. Now, perhaps it's, it's more complex. I know it's, it's more complex and, and it's, it's more nuanced than we can imagine. Uh, again, there is a place where we can speak up or raise our concern when, when we are being treated unfairly, when we be treated unjustly. And I also don't want to diminish uh, the impact of unjust suffering that you might experience in your life. I don't want to dim diminish that. Uh, there is a place for that. Uh, but whatever you do, we do not go our way to seek a revenge, even when we are being treated unfairly because of our faith by our boss, or even by our society. And as we do that, we're hopeful. We're hopeful and prayerful that some people might be able to see a glimpse of Jesus, a glimpse of Jesus in our lives. And hopefully that can be really a starting point, an entry point for us to share the gospel. Okay, this is my last point. Uh, hopefully it's going to be really quick this time. Um, you, you, we know and feel it, right? It's still hard to follow Jesus' step, right? I said to you, okay, here's Jesus, follow his examples. But we know it's going to be hard. We're not Jesus. We're just simple human beings. And it's going to be hard to live as strangers in this slanderous society. Sometimes we get it, you know, but other times we just mess up in the big time. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're supposed to do, um, to be abstaining from our sinful behaviors. But before we know it, we did the same stupid mistake <laughs> in our lives uh, over and over again. We, we know we should be submitting to our government, but sometimes it's just hard, you know, like when you're on the, on the road and then it's like, oh, 60. Oh, just a little bit. I, I can go 65. <laughs> uh, no one's around. Uh, it's, it's hard, you know. Um, or perhaps, you know, cheating on the tax return. I, I used to cheat a lot when I was overseas, you know, just to get just a bit of money so I can, you know, get more from the government. Um, and even doing unethical things in this country. There are so many temptations not, not to submit to our government. Uh, and, and we know also we should be submitting to our boss, uh, to our manager. But sometimes, again, it, it's just hard <laughs> when your manager is just like, I just don't even want to see his face, right? <laughs> uh, when they're not gentle, it, it's just hard to face them face to face, right? And I see you, I hear you this morning. It, it's hard. <laughs> it's a tough road. It's a long journey. But you know what? 
what gives us confidence that no matter what happens, right, Jesus will save us in the end. And I, I want you to, to have that confidence. I think that's why Peter ends the section in, with an encouragement. Uh, in fact, he began the section with encouragement too. I think ESV uh, probably closer to uh, what is uh, the, the real uh, meaning, the original meaning. Uh, so if you look in verse 11 there, I think ESV says beloved, but I think NIV says friends there. Uh, Peter calls these Christians friends or beloved. Uh, and, and the word there, uh, it's not just a simple uh, normal friendship thing that we do at, in our modern days. Uh, the word friends there literally means loved by God. So I think the ESV pick up uh, uh, the original uh, more, uh, loved by God. And so when Peter gave this bunch of commands to do, to submit government, uh, to abstain from uh, sinful behaviors, uh, to submit to your boss or, or manager, uh, he actually began uh, these sections uh, for, to, to, for us to actually be confident that we are loved by God. We are already loved by God. So we all do these things. We try to do all these things. It wasn't really to earn God's love anymore. <laughs> We are already loved by God. We have been rescued from our sins. And how did that happen? Uh, verse, verses 24 and 25, it says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter is straightforward here. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We all have turned away from God. And we really all trying uh, to run our lives independently, right? Um, this is what we call sin. It's the turning away from God, the source of life, the source of everything, to really, to anything in this world that we think it kind of gives us meaning and purpose. And because of that, because of that rebellion, because of that, we cannot be with God anymore. We all deserve the punishment for all the wrongdoings we have done in the past, in the present, but also in the future. But instead of us taking that punishment, Jesus made himself a substitute for us. He bore our sins on the cross so that we all will be healed so that we may die to sin, saying no to sin. To live for righteousness, saying, yes, yes, God, I want to live for you. I want to live for you. And no matter how hard is our struggle with sins, no matter how hard is our battle, our suffering, we already belong to the greatest shepherd. We are loved by him, the overseer of our souls. He, he holds us tightly, firmly to himself. So tight that nothing, nothing in this world shall separate us from Him. Any suffering, any, any difficulties in your life really not, will be separate us from the love of Christ. And in the end, in the end, all of us, if you have put your trust in Jesus, we will be who we are meant to be will be who we're meant to be. Okay, let me, let me wrap up. Christians, we are not who we used to be. You know, uh, 
we are the odd ones, right? Like that game, like, we just strange. Like, sometimes your friend's like, you're just weird. <laughs> Christian's just weird. Uh, but please remember, we are strangers. Of course we're weird. We are strangers in this world. We're just passing through. This world is not our permanent place. And secondly, Christians, we are who we are, and we are who we yet to be. We have been saved because, because of Jesus. We belong to him now. Yes, we're still stuck in this, in this broken, sinful flesh, still stuck in this broken world. And the call is to stand out, to be different, so that people hopefully can be saved through, through our lives. And lastly, we will be. That's a definite confidence for us in Jesus that we will be who we are meant to be. You know what? Why? It's because Jesus bore our sins on the cross. That really gives us confidence that we're going to make it. If you put your trust in Jesus this morning, we're going to make it. He has secured our salvation in the future because not what we've done, or not done, but simply because what Jesus done on the cross for you and for me. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and merciful Father, we, we know we still struggle with our lives but please help us in our suffering, in our struggles, uh, perhaps with our ongoing sins, but also um, the sins of others. But just simply, just because living in this broken world, Lord, help us to remember that, that we're just passing through in this life, that this world is not our permanent home. Lord, help us to look forward to heaven when there's no more pain and no more suffering. Lord, in our fear and shame, help us to stand out in the society. Help us to struggle uh, as we struggle uh, with our sins. And help us to be a witness in all that we do so that through our lives we can have the opportunity uh, to share the word of God that people might be safe. Lord, in our hopelessness, perhaps this morning uh, some of us might feel despair and uh, just don't know what to do with lives. Help us to have really the confidence that we have in Jesus. Because we were once not a people, but we are now belong to you. And we thank you for the cross. We praise you for all you have done in us and through us. And for your glory we pray. Amen.